Awesome. Sit down. Sit down. Awesome. Hey, welcome to church. Well, I get the sense uh, on Sunday mornings that this, uh, this ought to be what church feels like. It, j- it just ought to be. Ought to be a place of expectation, anticipation, where God shows up and, 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 and does things that, that you don't have language for that confound your mind exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. That's the God we serve. You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. In the book of Psalms, David says this, I was glad when they said unto me, come to the house of the Lord. And sometimes for us, we, I think, get a little casual with the house of the Lord. And I just want to remind us together, me and you alike, it's a privilege to be in a New Testament, spirit-filled, local church. You could be anywhere, but you're here. And uh, we thank you for being here. We think God is up to good work in the Northwest. Now, I know 2020 is a little crazy, and uh, if all you ever do is watch the news or scroll social media, you might feel depressed this morning, but I'm telling you, God is still on the throne. He was on the throne yesterday. He'd be on the throne today. I've got it on good authority. He'll probably be on the throne tomorrow. We serve a good God who is doing good work in the earth. He is still the desire of the nations. Whether the nations know it or not, He is their desire And uh, we, uh, as the church, uh, our mission, our job is to bring glory and honor to Jesus. And as we do, his presence becomes the transformative force in our lives and also in our uh, communities. Now, now you know uh, that we're in the middle of uh, an election season. And and over the next number of weeks, we've got different voter registration forms and things like that that we provide for people in the back. We don't pretend to try to tell people that, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is, you've got to vote this certain way or that certain way. I actually trust you to be an adult and hear from the Lord and vote in accordance with your values and, and, and things of that nature. But we do encourage people to be civically engaged. I think there is a responsibility that we have to be engaged. And here's the reality. No matter who wins, everybody's going to complain about it anyways. And so if you're going to complain about it, at least have the integrity to vote. Okay, if you go complain about the results, at least have the integrity to be a part of the process. And it's actually one of the great benefits we have. There's a lot of people living in a lot of nations who don't have the opportunity to be a voice into the leadership. And so I know it's not perfect here, but uh, it, it, you know, I know there's a lot of people make a lot of comments about democracy. And it's messy and it's imperfect. But I tell you what, travel around the world. It's the best thing afloat. Okay? So anyways, be a part. Vote. Do your business. And, uh, and, and, and most of all, be a faithful witness to the Lord uh, in this uh, uh, season. This morning, I'm going to share with you a message uh, I've entitled, Some Assembly Required. Some Assembly Required. You know what it's like retrofitting a house, buying something on Black Friday, bringing home a big box. The picture looks awesome, but you open it up and the contents are messy. And it's got three words on an instruction sheet in seven different languages that strike fear in the heart of every man or every woman. Some assembly required. And and you know what it means when you buy something from Ikea and it says some assembly required. It means you're going to build that entire thing from start to finish. It's going to take so long that you wish you would have bought something that was a finished product. And when we look at the church... When we look at the assembly of God, the assembling of God's people, we recognize that we are being built together on purpose for purpose. You know, when we gather, we get his glory. But when we are assembled, we get his authority. Where two or three are gathered, he is there. But where two or 
or three agree whatever they command is done. It's not just about glory. We got that. Now we're moving into authority. We need that. We need authority in this region. You know, when I get in here on Sundays, we're praying with the team before the start of service. I'm binding every witch. I'm binding every ounce of witchcraft. I'm binding every false spirit. I'm binding every lying tongue. Why? Because we got people who are going to gather here on Sunday morning, and they've lived their entire lives under the assault of the father of lies. And now on this Sunday, they got the opportunity for freedom. I'm not praying these like nice little prayers. God, I hope we have a good day. Maybe everyone gets here safe. Hopefully nobody's feathers are ruffled. When people gather here on Sunday morning, it's for the express purpose to see the Son of God made manifest in such a way that it destroys the works of darkness that have been against their life. But can I tell you, friend, there's been works of darkness against people in this region. If you don't have a word from God, there ain't no other reason you should live in the Northwest. We got nine months of rain, crazy things happening in the street, church work is hard. Unless you got a word from God, I don't even know what you're doing here. But when you've got a word from God, after you've done everything to stand, you better make sure to stand because something good is coming. And that's what we prophesy in this region. Something good is coming. You know, in the Bible Belt, you can sneeze. Somebody says, God bless you, you got to make a church. Yeah, in the Northwest, it's a little tough. <laughs> You'd be pioneering, preaching, worshiping, doing everything that you know how to do. You got seven people show up, six don't want to be there, one is a critic. <laughs> and you're thinking, where is the God of Elijah? <laughs> but I tell you what, man, when you're in the center of God's will, when you've got an ear to hear what the Master is saying in this season, you remain unrattled. Why? Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken to reveal things that can't be shaken. And we have the opportunity in this season to be the church that is unshaken. And friend, the church that is unshaken is the church that is unstoppable. Yes. Unstoppable. We'll be a force for good in this region, inviting his kingdom to come to earth and be manifest in supernatural ways. Now I'm going to read to you a, a list of verses here in a moment. We're going to end in the book of Matthew in chapter 18. And I want you to sense a theme that we see all throughout Scripture, both Old Testament and New. And I know sometimes when reading the Bible, it can seem like God was in a bad mood in the Old Testament and a good mood in the New Testament. And sometimes it's easy in our theology to divorce those gods from each other. And can I tell you, friend, God's opinion hasn't changed. God's character hasn't changed. What has changed is that we now approach him through the veil of the torn flesh of his son Jesus, covered by the propitiation, covered by his blood, covered by his ransom sacrifice, now made wholly acceptable unto him. God hasn't changed. We have. God hasn't changed. The covenant has. And so I'm going to read to you some verses, some out of the Old Testament and others in the New Testament. And what I'm trying to create for you this morning is, is a prophetic connection by which you can see the heart of God for his people. Now watch this. Amos 3 and verse 3. How can two walk together unless they agree? John 17, verses 20 through 21. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that they may be one. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Deuteronomy 19. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, a testimony will be confirmed. 
It's actually the reason why Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration appears with both Elijah and Moses, both the law and the prophets. It's the mouth of two that confirmed the third. Watch. Matthew 21 and verse 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. And finally, in Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Now watch. The word agree that Jesus uses in Matthew 18 comes from this Greek word, somphonio. It means harmonious, to agree together, to agree with. It forms the English word symphony. In, in, in the original language, Greek, this word had five primary meanings. Number one, to be in agreement with, in unison, in one accord. Number two, to speak together with agreement harmonious and united. Number three, to agree with and declare statements agreed upon. Number four, to champion with the same view or vision agreed upon. To regard something as settled or to reach agreement. Watch what Jesus is saying. He's saying this, when Christians agree in accordance with his character, it creates a symphony of petition that ushers in heaven's reality to earth's circumstance. By the way, in church, that's why when we pray and when the preacher is shouting, we say things like this, amen. You know what that word means? I agree. And so when I, at the end of a prayer, say something like this, in Jesus' name, amen, it's not just the tagline by which we close out prayers. What we're literally saying is, in Jesus' name, we agree with this God to do this work. And why is that important? Because when the church gathers in agreement, heaven comes to earth. Fred, it's not just about being gathered. It's about coming into agreement. You know, mom and dad can be gathered. Mom and dad can be married. But if there's not an agreement between the couple, there's chaos in the house. Sometimes we get all impressed with the fact that we've gathered. Look at how many people we've gathered. Look at all the people that are coming. We've gathered. God, what more do you want? The trick in our culture isn't to gather people. It's to get more than two or three to agree on any one thing. You know, in our culture, we value so much our opinions. We value so much our preferences. We value so much our personal identities. And can I tell you, Fred, when I use the word agree, I don't mean it from man's perspective. I mean it from God's perspective. I know in this room today there are people who think different, eat different, act different, speak different, talk different. They've got different family systems, different family values. Believe it or not, there are actually people here who vote different as well, and it's going to be okay, I promise you. But here's what I'm communicating to you this morning. 
When we talk about agreement with God, what we're not talking about is all of our preferences have to align in order for us to go anywhere. Can I tell you something? You don't even agree with you all the time. You ever wake up in the morning with one opinion, by the time you go to bed, you got another one? You ever stand in the mirror, stare at yourself, and have an argument with yourself about yourself? We don't even agree with us all the time. So if we make agreement on every little issue, the paramount feature for relationship, then what we will do is live lonely lives in echo chambers. Agreement doesn't look like we all have to think exactly the same about every issue in life and like all the same stuff and hate all the same stuff. Agreement with God looks like this. It looks like when Jesus had a conversation with his disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? Peter responds, he says, you're the son of the living God. Jesus responds, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father above. And upon that agreement, that rock, that revelation, I will build my church. Sometimes people come to church and go, I don't like that song in worship. That sermon, I've heard it before. That pastor, he wears weird clothes. It's too dark in here. I don't like the lights. That smoke, that's weird. I don't like the smoke. They're looking for something to disagree with. Can I tell you, friend? You go find what you're looking for. And if you don't disagree with something now, just come back next week. You'll find something else. <laughs> the goal is not that we have to have all of the same likes or all of the same preferences. It's that we have to agree on the reality of his kingdom coming to this earth. His kingdom come, his will be done in the northwest even as it's being done in heaven. That's why scripture says fight for unity. Because relationships don't presuppose it. The theory of church, the theory of marriage, the theory of life, the theory of relationship is a lot nicer and neater than the actual practice. Because when you practice it, what you find is that you've got to sit next to people who disappoint you. You've got to go to church with people who tick you off. You've got to interact with people who think differently and act differently and sound differently. And you've got to make a decision in that moment. Is there something that's going to stop my agreement? And so, Fred, for you and I, my encouragement for you is that you look past the filter. You look past the filter of common disagreement and into God's environment of supernatural agreement. You know, one of the most profound things in life is to be prayed for by somebody that you don't like and receive a miracle. <laughs> I don't like their style. <clears throat> and God just does it just to mess with you, just to prove to you that it's not a question of style, it's a question of substance. You know, when I need a, a miracle, you know, it, it's sometimes easy in our environment, you know, we kind of look at some of the word of faith guys and the healing guys and they're kind of wild and they kind of do you know th that type of stuff it's not really my style I tell you what when you need a miracle it don't matter you watch in every sermon series on miracles from every preacher that you made fun of why because you desperate for God to do something in your life and what I've found is that if I will, instead of bowing at the altar of my preference, instead bow at the altar of his kingdom authority, I can come into agreement with people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation around the idea that Jesus is worthy and he wants to do something in this place. My encouragement for you this morning. Fred, when you think about the word symphony, I don't know if you've ever been to a, a, a symphony before. But symphonies find their power and find their strength. 
not because everybody is playing the same note at exactly the same time, but because there is a chorus of instruments all in the same key, but playing different parts of that key in such a way that it creates a fullness to that sound. When Jesus is using the word agreement, we get our word symphony from that word. What he's not saying is everybody's got to look exactly like me. You know, what I love about Jesus is as he works with the disciples, he's taking people from all sorts of backgrounds. He's got sons of thunder like John and James. He's got Peter who's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He's got other guys who are tax collectors, some who are fishermen. He's got white collar. He's got blue collar. He's got people on all sides of the issues, on all sides of the aisles, and he's not trying to make them all look the same. Why? Because there's actually beauty in diversity. There's beauty in this idea that we all don't come from the same background. Some got a lot of money. Some don't got any. Some are in the retirement season of life. Some are in the going to school, trying to find a job season of life. Some are married. Some are widows. Some are single, ready to mingle. Everybody's coming from a different place. But we're all gathered under the Jehovah Nisi banner of him being worthy and him wanting to do something in the Northwest. See, that's what a revival culture does. It brings people from tribes, tongues, and nations. You might look different, but when I preach, there's a sound that comes from my voice that resonates in your spirit. This is what I've been looking for. Oh, I'm hungry for this. I love when new people come to the church and they say, I didn't know a place like this was in the Northwest. And I go, yeah, but it's been in God's heart longer than it's been in ours. And we built a house where our simple theological belief was that if we will come in agreement with him, he'll do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. And when you agree with heaven, it doesn't matter who disagrees with you. God's about to do something significant. Oh, it's one thing to come into agreement with man, but it's a whole nother thing to come into agreement with God. You come into agreement with God, all of a sudden nations shift. Leaders change. Cities move. All of a sudden, when you come into agreement with God, it's like the spiritual tectonic plates begin to move when you come into agreement with God. And let me illustrate for you this morning what I think of when, when I hear the word symphony. When I hear the word symphony, I don't think about it as, 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 as everybody being the same or, or everybody sounding the same or everybody looking the same, but everybody playing their part. See, this is Paul's instruction to the, to the New Testament church. He says, if, 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 if everybody's uh, 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 trying to battle for attention and, and, and if everybody's trying to, trying to run to the stage and, 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 and if everybody's trying to operate in chaos, then there is no order. But where there is order, anointing flows. See, David says this in Psalms 133. He says, when brothers dwell in unity, a blessing flows from the head to the feet. He says, sometimes you get into a house or get to church, it just feels disordered. It feels like, what's going on? It feels like there's no clear direction. There's no apostolic authority. What's happening here in this environment? But when you come into a house that is ordered, even if it's spiritual, supernatural, and spontaneous, you sense that there is a direction that it's being driven in. And when you think about the word symphony or you think about that Greek word agreement, I want you to think about the idea of I am here at this church not to watch but to play my part. And when you play your part and I play mine, it creates a fullness in the sound. And, and, and our worship pastor, Lydie's going to demonstrate that this morning.
Amazing. Come on, let's show our appreciation. Powerful. Watch what happened. The sound went from monotone to fullness. It went from one voice, one echo, to all of a sudden a chorus of voices. They're all singing different parts. See, we have thought that agreement means sameness. No, friend. Agreement means fruitfulness with otherness. Think about it in the context of marriage. Uh, Moses says it this way, and Jesus repeats it in the New Testament. He says, for this reason, a man leaves his father's house and a woman leaves her father's house that they would be united in covenant. It's not an agreement with sameness. It's an agreement with other. It's male joining female for this purpose, to reproduce and, 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 and replentify the earth, coming into agreement. See, your agreement doesn't have to mean we're all the same. What it means is that we play complementary roles in this church. And this is, of course, Paul's instruction to the church in Corinth. He goes, I know you can all prophesy. I know you can all pray in tongues. I know you can all do these extraordinary things. But in this context, we ought to ask ourselves, what part am I willing to play? Now, if you've had kids or, 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 or if you had this growing up as a child, you're, you're going to be familiar with what's in this box this morning. These Legos. And you know that when you go to, 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 to buy a box of Legos at the store, what they show you on the front cover of the box is not actually what you find when you open the box. You don't find it assembled. You find it gathered. And, you know, with, with my six-year-old, I've, I've had this experience. We're shopping in the store, and he sees an image that he likes. He goes, that would be a cool spaceship or an awesome tower or a cool race car. Dad, let's buy that. I always have to tell him. I go, Matthew, what you see on the outside is not what you will find on the inside. What you will find is the ingredients to make this happen, but it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of attention. And so you get home, and what's the first thing they do? dump them all out my son looks at me he goes dad now what I go this is your problem not mine you start building you start putting all the pieces together about halfway through you swear that there are pieces missing from the factory they messed us up this piece does not exist I don't know how this can happen it takes a lot of work sometimes when people get to church it's like well pastor I'm here what more do you want well, friend, I'm, I'm telling you, there is not as much power in gathering as there is in agreement. When you become assembled, then all of a sudden you get to build in accordance with what you saw. You know, six years ago when he was planting this church, it was the result of a prayer journey that my wife and I went on and, and really just sensing the call towards full-time ministry and it would look different in this season. And you know what God's really good at? God is really good at showing you the picture on the box to get you to sign up for the mess of the ingredients. Plant a church. It'll be fun, they said. But if he showed you this, you would have never signed up for that. But he shows you the picture of the finished product. 
And he says, look, if, if you put in the time and the effort and the energy, not just in gathering God's people, but assembling God's people and putting them into agreement. I mean, this is what the apostle Peter says to the church. He says, you are living stones being built together. And that agreement thing, that unity thing, it's a discipline. It takes time. It takes being willing to lay down preferences and proclivities. It takes being willing to submit one to another and in doing so, to see the mighty hand of the Lord promote you in due time. Sometimes it looks like compromise. Other times it looks like, oh, you know what? That's not the way that I would have done it, but it worked, and I'm not sure why, but I'm here to be a part of the team. Yeah. And some people feel like, well, I'm just a John the Baptist. Yeah. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. Oh, you're an Old Testament prophet? Oh, you're an old covenant individual? Interesting, not me. No, I was created for community. I was created for ecclesia. I was created for church. I was created to be one of many. Why? Because you're not the church alone. You're the church together. Everybody running around on Facebook. Like now Facebook is ordaining people. I'm pastor so-and-so, bishop so-and-so, apostle so Who said so? Zuckerberg? Facebook? We got people got self-appointed. Submitted to nobody, feeling like they got authority everywhere. What they are is emperor with no clothes. You're not the church alone. You're the church together. It's when we gather and when we get assembled and when we come into agreement. Can I expose a proclivity of humanity that we all feel? We see these singers get up here. We're like, man, I wish I was up there singing. I got the voice of an angel. I mean, it's a fallen angel, but yeah, you got, you know, yeah. You do have a voice, that is true. Here's the problem, man. Everybody who plays a different part than us, we automatically have a modicum of envy in our life because that's just who we are. You do one thing, you see somebody else do another thing, and you think, man, what I would trade to do what they do. But they're thinking the same thing when they see you excelling in what you do. Can I tell you, the anointing of God doesn't rest on who you wish to be, want to be, dream to be. It rests on who you actually are. And who you actually are is really pleasing to the Father because that's how he made you. So you might not ever have the loudest voice or the best singing or the most classy rhythm, but when you become authentically you, you become one who brings his kingdom to this region. All I do is crunch numbers. All I do is design. All I do is create. All I do is administer. All I do is teach. All I do is stay home with the kids. Friend, all you do is all you need to bring his kingdom to this region. But we live half our lives trying to pretend or wish or daydream that we had somebody else's calling, gifting, and anointing. Friend, somebody else's calling, gifting, and anointing would totally exasperate you, exhaust you, because God didn't design you to fit in their clothes. He designed you to fit in yours. And when you become authentically you, man, you become powerful. You become unstoppable. When you come into agreement with a church, now, I've said this before. You've heard this analogy, but I think so often we treat church like an emergency room. We show up when there's a crisis. And as soon as the crisis fades, we're back to just kind of doing life on our own. And can I tell you, Fred, God, God has given you the body as a gift. Some people say, Pastor, I'm a gift to the body. No. The body is a gift to you. 
I was glad when they said I could come to the house of the Lord. Why? Because I'm going to come in heavy and leave light. I'm going to come in sick and leave healed. I'm going to come in downtrodden, depressed, and leave with peace in my life. I'm going to come in one way, but leave the other way. When you gather with God's people, what happens? Somebody add their mustard seed to yours, and you add yours to somebody else's, and they add theirs to somebody sitting behind them, and together, collectively, we don't just uproot one mountain, we take a whole mountain range. We don't just uproot one mulberry tree, we take a whole forest. When we collectively gather, we exponentially magnify and increase his benefit in and through our life. Now, we know Jesus is everywhere. He's omnipresent. I, I don't need my theology corrected. I understand that. He's everywhere. He is with you just as much when you're alone as he is with you when you're in community. And you need times of being alone and recharge and refresh and solace and rest and shalom. And, and you need those types of things. But as Jesus is describing the church, the community, kingdom authority, it is almost always exclusively described in the context of two or three. Harmony creates fullness. It helps capture the heart of God for the church. Agreement doesn't mean you have to sound exactly like me. It means we're deciding to sing the same song at the same time, hopefully in the same key. See, I operate as a conductor in this environment. It's my job to make sure we are staying in rhythm so that what we offer God is in alignment and agreement with heaven. We are not the church alone, friend. We're the church together. Jesus says it this way. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Friend, agreement is something you grow into. It's a discipline. You know, as charismatics, we love Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the day of Pentecost. All the disciples were there. The heaven, fire from heaven fell, and Peter preaches, and 3,000 are saved. And, you know, that's kind of, we, we love those stories. But we forget Acts 1. Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem. Between the time Jesus said, go and wait, and the fire falling on the day of Pentecost, the disciples had been gathered for 10 days. 10 days in an upper room. Some of us can't go 10 minutes with somebody who we disagree with. And for 10 days, they're gathered in the upper room. And Scripture says this finally, when they were gathered and in one accord. The Spirit was poured out. Oh, they were gathered, but it took them 10 days to get on the same page. Once they were on the same page, they received life-changing power that shook the entire city. See, the goal is to come into relational unity with God and each other, not legalistic unity. You know, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people who think differently than me and and I hope you are as well. The goal is not that we all think the same or even all have the same likes versus dislikes, but instead we're in relational unity with the Father. Friend, once we are assembled appropriately, we become unstoppable. Paul, in Ephesians 4, he gives his outline to the church on what necessary gifts need to be functioning in the church in order for the church to be healthy and growing and heaven-focused. And 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 in Ephesians four, he lists five characteristics. He talks about apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. You know why you need apostles? Because they help align, they bring order. You know why you need prophets? Because they help inspire, they capture the heart of God. You know why you need teachers? Because they help guide. 
You know why you need pastors? Because they help care. You know why you need evangelists? Because they help recruit. And when these five elements are present in any New Testament church, what you have is the recipe for revival and transformation. And what is the purpose of fivefold ministry? Paul mentions it in Ephesians 4 and verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. Sometimes you got to stick around long enough. Submit yourself in one house long enough to be able to get on the same page. You know, my, my wife and I have been married 11 years now. And you know, there are still times where it takes us a minute to get on the same page. There's a reason the Apostle Paul and Christ use marriage analogies to describe the church. But what I found is that when we're in the presence of God, it causes a cohesion in the relationship. And that's why we ask his presence to show up, show off, do what he does best. Because when he does, all of a sudden he's high and lifted up. Some of the other peripheral issues begin to fade away. I did this in the first service and I'll do it in closing in this service, but I want everybody here just for a moment to think of or imagine, you don't say it yet, but just think of or imagine your favorite animal, the elephant, crocodile, bear, tiger, unicorn, dragon, you name it, think of it. Be creative, but just think of it. In a moment, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to loudly declare your favorite animal altogether. Okay, everybody got an animal? Everybody got an animal in their head? Thinking, okay, you got one? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Okay, sounds like y'all got spirit filled, which is awesome. Here's the problem. I can't pick out one thing that you said. Everybody said it. It was real loud. We were all real creative. I can't tell you one thing that you said. Now let's pretend for a moment that our favorite animal in this room, just for the sake of illustration, is an alligator. Let's just say, just for the sake of argument, that your favorite animal today is an alligator. Now when I count to three, I want you to say it. But I don't want you to yell it. I don't want it to be loud. I want it to be barely a whisper. Watch. One, two, three. Watch what happened. All of a sudden, we came into agreement and unity on a message. It wasn't the volume of our speech. It was the agreement of our speech that delivered a clarifying communication. And sometimes in the church, we are so busy talking about what our favorite animal is, talking about what our favorite song is, talking about what our favorite conference is, our favorite preacher is. I follow Paul and you follow Apollos and I got this denomination and this preference and at my own church, they did things this way. And we are so enamored with our own likes 
and dislikes. And if we could just all get on the same page and have the same communication, we wouldn't have to be loud because we would be clear. It's not our volume. It's our unity. In this house, I want you to agree on the preeminence of Jesus, on the glory of God, on his kingdom imperative to come to earth. In Genesis 11 and verse 6, the Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Do you know, friend, that our common language breeds an uncommon power? And that's why Scripture instructs us to fight for unity because when we agree, we are unstoppable. That's why I've been going after healing every Sunday. I'm looking for people to come into agreement with. So I'm going after restoration, renewal every Sunday. Just looking for a few people that I got, got to come into agreement with. Have you ever noticed, man, you don't need the buy-in of the entire crowd. You just need two or three who you ought to come into agreement with. That's what we do in church. That's why we got the words on the screen when we sing. That's why we encourage people to say things like amen. That's why we encourage people to stand at certain times and sit at certain times and raise their hands at certain times. What we're trying to project in the natural is a spiritual principle of agreement. And instead of coming to do each our own thing, let's gather and, and do God's thing. And Together, you and I will see his, his kingdom come, his will be done in the Northwest, even as it's being done in heaven. Come on, would you stand with me as we close this service? In a moment, I'm going to pray, and as we end this time of preaching, ministering, and worship this morning, I, I'm going to invite you, if you need prayer, in your life to come forward in just a moment to this altar. I want to come into agreement with you. It's not because I have anything special. It's because the God that we serve is really kind and really good. And if an evil father know how to give good gifts to his children, how much more does the heavenly father know to give unto us? Father, we love you. We honor you this morning. We thank you that as the church gathers in expectation, in agreement, that God responds with impartation. And so God, this morning, it's our desire to receive from you. And we admit that we only got a mustard seed of faith, but we know it's enough to receive an answer from heaven. And God, in this environment, we ask you to do what you do best. We're not just here to be individuals. We're not just here to be impressed by the size of our gathering. God, we desire to be assembled and in agreement with what you desire to do in this region. So, Father, now in the name of Jesus, we agree that healing comes in the room. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we agree that breakthrough comes in the room. So, Father, now in the name of Jesus, we declare miracles, signs, wonders, 
come into the room. So, Father, now in the name of Jesus, we agree for restoration, renewal, and resurrection that it comes into the room. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we agree with an outbreak of prosperity. We come against the spirit of poverty. We rebuke the devourer, and we lose financial prosperity in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come against every lying spirit. We come against every false idol. We come against every spirit of anxiety, depression, disorder. We send it back to the pit in the name of Jesus. We say in your life, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We say today, peace comes to your home. Peace comes to your marriage. Peace comes to your life. Resolution comes to your family. We say now in Jesus' name, healing comes to your body. We say now in Jesus' name, function is replacing dysfunction. Order is replacing disorder. Agreement is replacing disagreement now in the name of Jesus. Here's how we're going to end. We bought this building two years ago. We came in and the ceilings were actually about seven, eight feet lower than they are today. Made the room feel smaller than it was. It's a big room, but it, it felt a little cramped because the ceilings were low. So we made a decision. We're going to rent some scissor lifts. We're going to tear out this ceiling. We tore out this false ceiling, and you know what was above it? Another false ceiling. By the time we were done, maybe three, four, five, 40-yard dumpsters just filled with debris from the ceiling. But we knew that our capacity was higher than we sought. And now we've got the beautiful ceilings and the wood and the natural look that we have today. Some of you in this room have operated under a lie from the enemy that has put a false ceiling on your capacity. You believe your best days are behind you. You believe you can never overcome. You believe you're always going to be a victim of your circumstance. You've operated in shame so long, it's even hard for you to carry your head high. And I'm telling you today, Jesus is dismantling the work of darkness against your life. And what has seemed like a low ceiling is being broken off to expose your true potential. And today I want to come into agreement. Come on, I want to pray with you. I want to believe God's best for your life. When I count to three, if you need prayer for any reason, come join me at the altar. Prayer team, pastors, help me. Come on, let's pray. Let's believe. Let's see God do a miracle in your life. If that's you, come to the altar. One, two, three. Just come to the altar now. Step out of your seat if that's you. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's believe. Come on, let's declare. Come on, let's see God do a miracle in your life this morning.